Football Friday edition of the Broncos Blitz Podcast. I am Danny Williams, along with Danny Bailey. We are live from our studio here. Tons to talk about. Uh, Super wild card weekend upon us. The Broncos fully entrenched in a head coaching search. Um... We got a lot to talk about as maybe some awards, maybe the very few couple awards that any Broncos player would receive happened today as Patrick Sertan is named uh, AP all um, NFL first team. Did I say that right? He's a first teamer. He's an all pro. First team all pro. He's a first team all pro. Okay. Got my words mixed around a little bit. He's a first team all pro. And what you're thinking like, oh, that's cool. Is that like a Pro Bowl? No, that's not like a Pro Bowl. There's 8, 10, 12, 14 cornerbacks who make the Pro Bowl or voted into the Pro Bowl. There's two All-Pros. Then there's two more second-team All-Pros, and I think there's one more layer of a third-team All-Pro, okay? So to be named first-team All-Pro with Sauce Gardner, two young guys like that, before we started the podcast, I was like, is that right? Are, Are we sure here? I was surprised because there's a lot of good corners in the league to have a rookie corner, which is the first time it's happened in like 40 or 50 years for Sauce Gardner, um, a Jets corner who's a really, really good player. And then Patrick Sertan, who's now people, there was a point midway through the season where I heard a couple of people talking about him as a defensive player of the year candidate. And it was like, Gave me goosebumps, filled my whole body up, you know, got me all excited. Luckily, I wasn't wearing sweatpants that day because I would have poked somebody's eye out, like straight up Danny Bailey. It's an awesome feeling to have someone as special as that. So that's kind of the news of the day um, as we're in, like, the midst of this coaching search and we have to figure out these wild card weekend games. And I wanted to do a little um, a mini game with you. Okay? Okay. You're a competitor. You've been skiing, you know, you're, you're, you're at your peak skiing form. Okay, all you're thinking about right now, you're looking at me and thinking about the slopes. I can tell I'm looking at you (laughs) thinking about this really cool um, ski lift video where I saw the ski lift was out of control and it was flinging people off of it. I was like, oh, my God, I hope they're okay, But that's really funny. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Okay, so let's start with the coaching search. Nothing new as of yesterday, but they had about four or five days in a row where where they're Talking to Peyton, and then Harbaugh, and then um, our guy, Jim Caldwell, and then um, I think they had some interaction with Evero, and then yesterday, who'd they get? Our guy... um, David Shaw. David Shaw, perfect. So, this is a bit of a day off around here, as some more news will come down tomorrow, but also, Broncos are working hard, they're turning over every rock and stone, and it's cool that, you know, there's other franchises that might, that, that are, and will be going through a coaching search and never will the names of Jim Harbaugh and Sean Payton be mentioned because they're classed out. They got to find a first-year head coach, a retread, whatever it is, because of who and what they are, the franchise, the pockets, how you know, deep they are, and maybe just kind of um, the stature of who and what they are, hierarchy, financial, lots of different factors, okay? The Broncos are this, the biggest names right off the bat. They're trying to fix this. And I'm going to use an analogy, a quick story right here, okay? Okay. Um, Rich guys don't like to look bad. 
Right. And not every rich guy, though, spends his money luxuriously and extravagantly. But rich guys live, like, in rich neighborhoods and have, like, you know, it's the, the upgrades and the updates and everything all the time. That's why you kind of you're rich, okay? So a quick analogy. This last home game here for the Broncos, the field looked like crap. They've done high school games there. They've done a million different things there at the stadium um, to make the um, the sod, the field, the Broncos field at Empower Field or no power field, looked like crap. So they tore it up for the last regular season game, laid down $400,000 worth of new grass, new sod, okay? Which people are saying, oh, wow, look at this, and the Broncos owners, whatever, they're willing to do whatever it takes. They could have waited, but, you know, they didn't like how it looked yeah. in their building at their house that they owned, okay? Here's why I like that, and here's an analogy. So my kid goes to a Catholic school, right? And it's um, down the street. It's in Inglewood, where it's on Broadway and Bellevue-ish, where it's like, uh, like it's in the middle of like this little Inglewood neighborhood. The houses are little, small, one-story houses. But like two blocks, one block is the entrance to Cherry Hills, Greenwood Village, Cherry Hills uh, Golf Course. So, you know, you can drive down here in about four or five, six minutes is where Russell Wilson lives and Mike Shanahan's extravagant house and preserve is over here where Peyton lives. But we have a family, a kid I coached for years. Okay. His name is Liam. I won't tell you a last name. His folks, the dad like inherited, not inherited, like runs a business that the dad started. They got so much money. It's crazy. They moved into this house. Everyone knows it's like a $6 million house. It's right over there in Cherry Hills. It's like, you could like drive your, um, go-kart or your golf cart or whatever they have to drive around the neighborhood that they take to get their, like, their mail down the street to this guy's house. Stay with me. I'm sorry. We ha- oh, we're at their house for a little pool party. They had us over, and they just moved to this house, okay? So these rich folks were walking in like, oh, my God, wow, this is like, oh, this driveway, this and that, all this, like, the pool, this, um, this horse stable thing that they have. We were there. We're like, wow, this is incredible, okay, my wife and I. So they were like, wow, the, our pool here, we're going to, this stone here, it's about six years old. We're going to redo this. And then we're kind of walking around the house. We're like, oh, we're, you know, don't really look at this here. We're going to redo all of this. And we're like, oh, my God, this is incredible. It's beautiful. But they, these rich folks, felt like, oh, man, they were, these rich people at the $6 million house they just bought, we're embarrassed about their stuff. And we're like, holy cow, this place is incredible. So what I'm saying is, and the analogy is, rich folks don't like to look bad. And I don't mean just look bad in where you live, how you look, the jets, you fly, the yachts, but like ever in general. So that's why they did that sod. And that's why Greg Penner and these Broncos owners are going for the, the, the cream of the crop, the best available coaches in the game. And that's why they're not going to settle for anything less than greatness. And for anyone who's saying it'll never be the same again without Pat Bolin, I hope that's not true. And while some part of me is going to say, yeah, that's probably kind of true. Okay. Because Hal Steinbrenner ain't George Steinbrenner. And Jeannie Buss ain't Dr. Jerry Buss. And obviously, Johnny Football, the blood of the city, who's a gangster, <laughs> you are, is a lot different than his old man, NFL Hall of Famer, Pat Bowen. But I want to believe that these Broncos owners, these new Broncos owners, are not going to settle for anything less than the best. Because they're rich guys. And that's how super rich guys operate. 
That's a take. That's a take I have. Do you believe it? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. It's when when you replace the field just for one game. Yes. It 100% encapsulates what you just laid out there. They don't want to look bad in any sense of looking bad, whether it's physical appearance or some other... Can I tell you what I think over? Abstract. Stay with idea. your thought. $400,000 to redo the sod mm-hmm. in one week that they decided to yeah. do it. Say that, well, man, the, you know, the manpower, whatever they have to do, the tools, the tractors, whatever they have to do to make it settle and sit, get it out there, find the best stuff to put it out there, lay that stuff down in one week. They might have been able to wait one week and get the whole thing done for 250000 and their business people are telling them, well, hey, man, well, Greg, listen, you know, it's I know it's 400000 right now. It's an extra this. They have to ship some stuff from here. They have to bring a couple of these actually from Nebraska here to get it here and have to take overnight. It's going to cost about 400000 If we wait till one week, one week from today, it'll cost us $220,000. And Greg Penner could have said, let's just wait then. Okay? Hundreds of thousand dollars is a lot of money to people like us. Not a lot of money to super rich guys, but super rich guys don't get super rich by um, acting as though and operating as such $200,000 isn't a big deal. Yeah. So what I'm saying is this guy's smart, but also you have to spend your money tactically and you have to show yourself and prove yourself. These owners meetings, NFL owners meetings, I think those are big chest pumping, I'm the richest dude meeting type of meetings that Pat Bowen used to go into because he was a suave MF or just smooth with it. You know, I'm, I'm a winner. I care. I, I, I exude it. I got the best looking girl in the room with me, Pat Bowen. Okay. Yep. Jerry Jones always had, you know, the oil money and the, you know, the biggest money and he carried himself in a certain, you know, Southern with the Southern certain suave, suave, suavecito and charm. And, you know, there's a lot of this. I think that I hope that Greg Penner is a badass rich dude who's going to act as such and operate as such to fire Nathaniel Hackett within the season is historically embarrassing because it's only happened a couple of times ever in the history of this league. To been op, you know to be operating a coaching search the way they are, the best, the best of the best. Spent the money on the field. Um, I, I'm feeling as though they're doing the right things. And it starts at the top, top, tippy top. And I hope that this Broncos franchise and organization is going to be Re, you know, it's like a reboot, not a rebuild. That's what Vance said, right? Mm-hmm. And we, let me tell you this one right here, okay? And then, you know, we'll talk about the games and wrap this thing up. And that's it. We even talked about the games a little bit on Wednesday. In 1991 and 1992, okay? Within a three-year span, LA had a big injury that took him out of a season, cost him a season, Okay. So in the late 80s, the Broncos went to three Super Bowls in the early 90s, like two thousand and ninety, like 88, 87, 89, 90, whatever it was, okay? Okay. And then John Alway gets hurt, okay? The team changes a little bit. It's all about, you know, Jim Kelly. There's certain teams, you know, things change. The NFC still dominates. They won 13 Super Bowls at the time. That's when the Broncos couldn't get over the hump. But Elway comes back from an injury, throws 17 interceptions, in 91 or 92, okay? All this information, the information I'm about to give you 
is 92% accurate. Okay? okay? Just bear with me. The next year, 92, 91, 92, he throws another like 15, 17, 19 picks. It's a mess. That lead the, that would lead the NFL this year and last year. Okay? People thought he was washed. Um, the Broncos are flirting and Dan Reeves with the trading John Elway to the Redskins. Okay? Um, they draft Tommy Maddox, a quarterback, in the first round. Dan Reeves. Okay? And um, Pat Bowen decided to stick with John Elway, roll the dice on John Elway, move on from Dan Reeves. Okay? Yep. They hire... Not Mike Shanahan yet. Wade Phillips. Our guy. Wade Phillips, right? And like the one season he was here, they were average. He was a defensive coach. He didn't know how to get the best or the best of the rest out of what Elway had. Okay? Um, G- Pat Bullen decides to move on from everything that he once knew and all the past successes the Broncos had under the um, Dan Reeves regime. He brings... Mike Shanahan, a young Mike Shanahan, into the fold, okay? And what happens? Uh, the Broncos, it's, a re, it's like a total revigoration of everything of the franchise and of John Elway. The Shannon Sharps, the Terrell Davises, the Rod Smiths are brought in, okay? Um, the Terrell Davises. And John Elway has a, a career renaissance because of Mike Shanahan. Okay, and what happens? Uh, they rebuilt in 95, 96. They're an, one of the best teams in the AFC, have an embarrassing playoff um, exit, one of the worst losses in team history, but it's not one of the worst losses in team history because they win the next two Super Bowls. John Elway rides off into the sunset as one of the greatest quarterbacks in NFL history. Okay, the moral of the story, there's two years there where it looked like John Elway was washed. It was over with. Okay, so Russell Wilson has an opportunity to have that same opportunity and career renaissance. For anyone who's like, well, give me another, you know, the guy's washed, he can't do it. You've said it, and I believe when you say it, I'm like, oh, man, you're making me believe it. Like, until proven otherwise, you see otherwise, you're going to think Russ is done. No one's going to blame you. He just, We just had a historically awful season. But if they got to run it back with Russ and he's stuck here, we have to be thinking about that because it's, in our, it's our own history. It's sure. Just, you know what I mean? So that's just a take. It's something I've been thinking about. I had to go back and look at those Elway numbers. And um, Russ is, there's a chance that Russ is done. But there's also a chance somebody could fix this. And the org, you know, what was produced was like a chef who didn't know when to put salt or too much salt. or anything. Like, like the square root basics of it all, Nathaniel Hackett got it all wrong. That's kind of my take. That's it. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> Makes me feel a lot better about saying Russ is washed every week for the last. And do you know three what that months. take is like? I'm trying to like convince myself that this thing's not done yet. I'm, that's not a take where I'm like trying to convince anyone otherwise, including a guy like you who, you know, man, he has his own thoughts in his head and they're justified. But that's just, that's it. So, um, wild card weekend, real quick, okay? And then we're going to wrap this thing up. Give me um, your best bet of these teams. What's your most surest fire um, lock here of the super wild card weekend? It's kind of tough. I like that. Um, Can I give you one? Yeah, let me. 49ers smash the Seahawks. Yeah, I think they probably do. 
And here's why. A lot of different reasons why. They're really good. They're really, really good. And the Seahawks have a little bit of like, well, we're going to have the Broncos' fifth pick anyways. C.J. Stroud. Geno Smith isn't as good. Geno's you know, like, in a, a lot of weird ways, because you know they're, they know they're not good enough to win it all, they're already in the back of their minds thinking about how do we get to be great, the future, rather than let's beat the 49ers. I think the Seahawks are in a weird mode right now of where they're at as a franchise this is a 20 it's like a 30 13 to me 49ers roll okay let me ask you about jaguars chargers that's an interesting one for me yeah i'm seeing two and a half jaguars at home i'll probably be on the jags money line okay love it i think i i'm not super confident about any of these games really well, it's hard um, to Because the teams that got the buys got them for a reason. And outside of that, there is a fair amount of parity this year. So, I mean, I think the one that yeah. I probably feel the best with, and it's a big spread. I don't really like it, but um, yours is a big spread too. But I, I, think the bang- I think the Bengals just roll roll the Ravens. I don't want to start a whole thing, and we'll save it for next week. Okay. Lamar Jackson's holding the Ravens hostage. Wow. He could play in this game if he wanted to. If you're thinking, what an SOB. He's not a real competitor. No heart. Okay? I will say this. For one guy's pride and, well, he's going to, this is an opportunity to win a Super Bowl. Okay. He's cashing in and he thinks the his $200 million that he's going to get, mm-hmm. whether they give it to him or not, is more valuable than going out there and having the chance to win a Super Bowl. And there's this weird part of me that's like says, you bastard, go play, earn your money. But there's also a part of me that says the Burroughs, the Herberts, there's been a lot of guys who are younger and came into the league after Lamar Jackson, Danny Bailey, Yep, that got paid. Lamar Jackson's the last one. He's holding out. Yeah. <laughs> He's holding out. And therefore, the Ravens get dismantled. I'd say it's tough, but um, big covers and big numbers are scary. But last yeah. year, uh, some of the wild card games, like the Rams, some of the better teams last year, rolled. Yeah, rolled. And there was some, a couple closer games and all that. But like the best teams in last year's wild card round, the best teams who were supposed to cover the big numbers did. Bills smashed the Patriots last year. Mm-hmm. You know, that's it. Some of my initial thoughts. Yeah. Well, it worked for Kawhi in San Diego. Hmm. Um, he got to Toronto. He won yeah. his championship. So maybe it works for Lamar it's a similar way mm-hmm. where he gets out of there, he gets himself healthy, and maybe he's on a team that's competing again. Lamar would be great in a Jets uniform. Would he? Yeah, I think so because, like, their style of play yeah, kind of grind you, um, you know, run you down a little bit, try to pop the top every now and then, um, let our defense help you win the game. It's mm-hmm. not all about just the quarterback. I think that's his best fit. There. I don't know what the cold stuff, but also if you can't throw all that well, you know what I mean? Like the way Lamar Jackson yeah. does or doesn't. Then also, those legs are going to be valuable come playoff time when it's, you know, 17 degrees or whatever and, you know, hard to really throw the ball as though you're playing in Minnesota or somewhere, you know, Indy or something like that. So, um, okay. Last game, and this podcast is over. Cowboys, Buccaneers. Monday night. I'm hearing Tom Brady to the Raiders. Okay, well, before that happens, he's got a game here against the Cowboys. Cowboys fans, we have three or four of them here at work at this mm-hmm. office here. Well, 
I'm seeing if they're listening. They're pathetic. It's like they got no heart. They're talking about like losing before the game's played and the next head coach while you have a head coach who's like a great winner. It's wild, dude. So, therefore, if the if if Cowboys fans don't believe in the in in the Cowboys, give me the Patriots plus points. It's Tom Brady win this playoff game, probably lose the next round. Yeah, Bucks are clicking at the right time. Um, this is a game where they have been before. They know how to win it. They've beat the Cowboys before in a, in very similar situations. So. Yeah, it's hard to go against Brady here. And after the showing Dallas put out last week, I have no faith in Dak or anybody on that team to perform in clutch time. Give me Tampa Bay. When, you know, they win outright by three or six, people are going to be like, why didn't I see that coming? Cowboys are like the Cowboys fans are trending wrong at the right time on the wrong at the wrong time. Not just, you know, the bunch of turnovers and stuff they've had. They won 12 games. They're elite. They're good. Just like Cowboys fans don't want to believe it and get behind. Yeah, they had a shot at the one seed with a couple weeks left. It's been a long time when you, you know, again, um, we have dudes here who are Cowboys fans who weren't alive the last time the Cowboys won a Super Bowl. That plays into it big time. So say those the uh, the Broncos didn't win Super Bowl Fifty, didn't go to F- Super Bowl Forty Eight, um, and it was been since ninety seven, ninety eight that the Broncos had won a Super Bowl. We'd be feeling right now some of that. We'd be wearing some of that. Oh, we'll find a way to lose it in the end, kind of stuff. But winning championships changes things. Yeah, and the Broncos are won three Super Bowls and been to eight of them. They're winners, and it's lean. It's been lean, tough, the worst go of it we've had in quite a while. But um, I hope the beginning of the podcast stuff might have helped you believe that it's possible that these guys may be able to bounce back, and Russ could be resurrected, and then you know we'll know. Nathaniel Hackett sucked royally, epically, historically. There's a chance that's true, Danny. I hope that to be the case. Okay. Thanks, buddy. Thank you. Good job. Uh, for Danny Bailey, I'm Danny Williams. Shout out Maverick Sports and Maverick Sports app, our partner in this podcast, the Broncos Blitz podcast. Um, it's not a daily podcast for the rest of the season. We're going to crank them, though, a few every single week, no matter what, because all the things that are happening here from the offseason, you know, the trimming of the roster to the new coach, whoever that's going to be, to George Payton, um, it's it, it's there's it's it's a never-ending news cycle here for the broncos and uh, i appreciate you danny bailey we love you guys total beverage out uh there real quick to there are two locations of north total beverages um i mean they're the standard go check those guys out this weekend if you're gonna go have a drink make it be on total beverage we appreciate you guys and we love you guys good night Shula. good night